Guatemala who are in need. And so my challenge to you is if you're thinking about it and you're on the fence, I dare you to go. Um, having been with one of the teams, it's a wonderful experience. You'll take the risk and you won't regret it. Well, uh, speaking about a little bit of risk, some time ago I was out for lunch uh, with a friend of mine and I was saying to them that uh, I like spicy food. And I didn't know it at the time, but this friend of mine was really into hot sauce. And uh, he asked if I had tried this kind of hot sauce or that kind of hot sauce. I didn't know any of the names of them. Um, I only have two hot sauces inside my fridge. I have like Tabasco, like American style hot sauce. And then I have Sriracha, like an Asian style hot sauce. But I told this person, you know, I like spicy food. I would be willing to try it. And I think they got this look of glee in their eyes, like how spicy do you like it? I said, I like, I like it really spicy. So uh, they said to me, all right, you say you like spicy food, let's prove it. At which point I probably should have been a little more cautious. So they said to me, I dare you to put three drops of this hot sauce onto your food and see if you can stomach it. I thought, three drops? How how hot could it be if there's only three drops of something in an entire meal? Well, I don't know what you would do in this situation, but I didn't want to be called chicken, so I accepted the dare, and they brought the hot sauce to the table, and I should have clued in a little bit. Like, the warning label on the hot sauce bottle took up most of the space on the bottle, and the staff brought it with gloves on. So again, I should have been thinking a little more clearly about this. And then I put carefully three drops into my food and three drops began to sting my nostrils as I kind of tried to figure out how hot this stuff was gonna be. And that again probably should have been my time to exit. But I thought, you know what? I'm too far gone by now on this sauce deal. I'm gonna try it. So I put it into my mouth It was the hottest thing I had ever tasted in my life. It burned going down. It burned in my stomach. It burned after it exited my stomach. I mean, it was not pleasant. But my friend, the problem was that my friend had issued me a challenge and said, you say you like hot sauce? Okay, you need to prove it. And so I decided that I was going to accept it. If I talked about how much I enjoyed spicy food, it was time to actually let my actions speak louder than my words. Well, here at Jericho Ridge, uh, this fall, we've been studying in the New Testament in the book of James, which is a little book tucked away towards the end of the New Testament. And we're doing a series called Mirror, Mirror. And in this little book, one of the themes that James talks about over and over and over again is this. You cannot just say something and not actually back that up with some action in some concrete, specific ways. You have to be willing, James says, to act on what you say you believe. Talk is cheap, says James, but actions speak louder than words. Well, this morning we're in James chapter 3, and I'm going to invite you to turn there in your Bibles or on uh, your smartphones. Some of, a lot of you use version. Uh, which is downloadable from Bible.com. That's a great program, an app for your phone. 
Uh, so we're in chapter three. We're gonna pick up reading in verse 13. Last weekend, Brian Cooper was with us uh, speaking and did a wonderful job challenging us and laying out the reality that what's in our lives can't help but actually coming out in what we say, in the way in which we speak. And so James picks this up in James chapter three, verse 13, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it says this. If you are wise, and if you understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes for, from wisdom. You see, the tone of this verse isn't so much a question, oh, if you are wise, should you prove it? It's more like a challenge, like throwing down the gauntlet. James says, who among you claims to be wise? If that's you, you gotta step up. You actually have to demonstrate and prove that you're wise. You can't just talk, 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 talk about how wise you are. It's a challenge. It's an invitation, similar to the one issued by my friend about hot sauce. Who among you likes hot sauce? Hands up, who among you likes hot sauce? All right, I have some sriracha. You can come here and prove it right now if you want. Mix it in your coffee. I'm sure it would taste great. I won't put you on the spot. But if you like something, then you gotta actually demonstrate that you like it, right? If you say, oh, I like the Vancouver Canucks. Wear a jersey to church sometime on game day. You say, oh, I, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Mustangs. All right, prove it. Can you tell me the difference between a 64 and a half and a 1965? You say, oh, I'm a person who loves beer. Prove it. What's the difference between an IPA and a stout? You gotta actually demonstrate and prove that you know some of these things. Are you a person who uses the label Christian to describe yourself? James says, prove it. And you prove it not by reading about it or by blogging about it or by talking to other people about it. You prove it by living in such a way that your actions speak louder than your words. I love the way the message translation puts James 3, verse 13. It says, it is the way that you live, not how you talk, that really counts. It is the way that you live, not how you talk, that really counts. James says it's not only the way that you live, and it's not just even what you know that counts. James says if you are wise, and if you claim to understand God's ways, your life will reflect that. So what's the difference then between wisdom and understanding, if you're wise and you understand God's ways? Well, for James, just like there's a difference between saying something and actually doing something, there's also a difference between knowing something and applying something. So James thinks about it this way, that uh, understanding, if I understand something, that means that I have a grasp of the technical facts of a given situation. So it's a cognitive exercise. But if I possess wisdom, it means that I can rightly apply that knowledge to a given situation. If I'm wise, it means I understand the spiritual and the practical implications and applications of a given course of action in a particular situation. So let's go back to my hot sauce example for a minute. So for the uninitiated, the spiciness of hot sauce 
is rated on something called the Scoville scale because a pharmacist named Scoville discovered it. So if you discover it, you get to name it. So the Scoville sale, you can see on the screen there that bell peppers are zero on the Schofield scale. Not very hot, right, in terms of the actual spiciness that they possess. So if you go up the scale a little bit, you're in like Serrano peppers. Those are about maybe 15,000 units on uh, the Schofield scale. If you go up a little further, you get into cayenne peppers and Tabasco peppers. Those are like 50,000 or so on the Schofield scale. So we're getting hotter now. If you get into more like habanero peppers, that's like 350,000 Schofield units. And then you get way, way, way hotter than that into crazy like sign your life away waiver type peppers that you should not put in your mouth. And those are in between, the, there's ones called ghost peppers from Indonesia. They're between one and two million Schofield units of heat. So it's one thing to say, oh yes, I understand the Schofield scale. I know how hot and the number that a pepper might be. It's another thing to actually exercise wisdom to know whether you should put that in your mouth or not. If it's your wise, wisdom is taking what you know about something and working out the practical implications and applications of that. Wisdom has to be lived out. It has to be seen. It can't just be talked about. And that's why James says, if you are wise, if you claim that you're wise, then you have to actually understand God's ways and then you prove it by living an honorable life. You live an honorable life by doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. We're going to come back to that link in a moment. But James here starts by painting this picture of true wisdom that comes from above. And he's going to go back there in a few verses. But before he describes that kind of heavenly or godly wisdom in detail, he's going to contrast that with another kind of wisdom, wisdom from a very different source. So look with me at James chapter 3, 14 to 16. James says, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, they're unspiritual, they're demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. In another part of the New Testament, another writer uses a word picture to describe the kinds of things that are present in the lives of individuals and a community where the Spirit is present and growing and where the Spirit of God is resonant. So that's called the fruit of the Spirit. So do you remember what some of the fruit of the Spirit are? Shout them out if you remember them. Love, joy, patience, kindness, self-control, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, Absolutely. So these are the evidences of the presence 
of the Spirit of God at work in a person's heart and life. And here, what James is doing is saying, okay, if the Spirit is present when those things are on display in your life, what would it look like if the opposite were true? Kind of an anti-fruit of the Spirit. Or, maybe more appropriately, what would be the fruit of the absence of the Spirit in a person's life? Just like when we see humility and good works on display, James is saying that's an indicator that wisdom is growing in a person's life. When we see the following things that he mentions in these verses on display, growing up through the cracks and crevices of our hearts, it means that wisdom is not being allowed to take root and grow there. So let's look at those things that James says are the fruit of the absence of the Spirit. The first thing he says is bitter jealousy is an evidence of the absence of the fruit of the Spirit. An envy or a, a desire to criticize others. The inability to rejoice when someone else, uh, things are going well for them. And the need to find something wrong in what other people are doing and to then begin to wallow in self-pity. Bitter jealousy envious criticism of others. The second thing he says is selfish ambition. Ambition uh, can be good and can be a healthy thing, but it can also be a destructive thing when it's focused on ourselves. And so James here is talking about almost like a narrow kind of partisan type zeal or ambition that is going to advance our own ends and agenda at the expense of others around us. Selfish ambition is a fruit of the absence of the Spirit. Boasting and lying, covering up the truth. You can get away with it for a period of time, but overestimating your own abilities, actively shading reality to suit your needs, if that's the direction of pull in your life, that is not wisdom, James says. Something else is growing in your heart. Disorder. Here James is back talking about uh, an image that he used back in chapter one about a person who's unstable and can't make up their mind about things. One day they talk like this, the next day they talk like that. And this sense of disorder, a restless, unsettled state of mind, he used a wave of the sea that's pushed around by the winds of uh, whoever they're with or culture, or there's no guiding sort of rudder in their life, kind of like that Russian container ship that's lost power off of Haida Gwaii. It's just a drift in the sea, or was just a drift in the sea. There's no clear course. There's no way to get it on track in any way. If your life evidences this kind of moral and spiritual disorderedness, if there's a restlessness in your state of mind, an unsettledness in your spirit, then that is part of an evidence that wisdom is not necessarily being fruitful in your life and growing. Then James finishes with kind of a catch-all, unless we could go through the list and go, well, I don't think I'm bitterly jealous. I don't think I have selfish ambition. I don't think I boast a lie. I, I don't feel that disordered, except for getting the kids out to school, then the door to school in the morning. But then he says, evil of every kind. <laughs> just as kind of a way of expressing 
And what he's asking us to do here is consider the source of the things that are growing in your life. What's taking root? It's like the fruit, uh, that gradation of fruit on uh, the bottom of that screen. It's actually the same piece of fruit. It's the same apple taken in time-lapse photography just over time, just rotting away and shriveling up. And it's like the fruit of the Spirit, which is healthy and we want to see grow in our lives, can sometimes uh, suffer or be pushed out by evil of every kind. Other things that compete for our attention and our focus begin to decay. Things get less and less attractive until they're shriveled up and inedible. And James says, when you give way to those things like jealousy and like bitter ambition in your heart, it's like you've put just a little kind of mold into your life and you're gonna allow it to grow and it's gonna actually begin to eat away at the person who you are and you will become a person who is more and more disordered, who is more and more prone to lying, who is more and more prone to boasting and selfish ambition, who is not guided by the Spirit in an increasing way in our lives. So these things will begin to evidence themselves. But then James returns to the real emphasis that he's trying to make in this text. He wants us to understand, okay, if those are the absence of the fruit of the Spirit or the absence of wisdom, what does wisdom look like in our lives when it takes root and grows? See, when I was growing up, we would often go out and help my uncle uh, on his farm around this time of year. And we would, he would let us drive the tractor, which was a big deal when we were really little, and he would let us help with the harvest, at least not any of the really dangerous parts of it. And uh, it would be the highlight. Uh, we would talk with him about, oh, how this was, must be the highlight of the year for him as a farmer. And he would always kind of gently bring us back and say, you know what? The really important part isn't so much the harvest. It's what we did when we planted the seed. Every harvest starts with good seed planting. And without good planting and good cultivation, then the sun, the rain, nothing else can do its work in your life. And so he would say to me, you can't grow, Brad, what you don't sow in your life. And this is where James looks more clearly at wisdom and what's growing in our life. So look with me at James chapter three, verses 17. He's gonna use this metaphor of planting. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, it is also peace-loving. It is gentle at times. It is willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy. It's full of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. We talked about that a few weekends ago. It's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and they will then reach a reap, rather, a harvest of of righteousness. See, the important part isn't so much the harvest, it's what you're planting in your life and then letting the sun and the rain do their worst. Every good harvest plants by, starts by planting a seed or seeds. James says if you're a person who loves peace, you plant actively seeds of peace and you then can work toward a harvest of things like justice and righteousness. But you cannot harvest things in your life that you do not sow. 
at some point you have to plant them and then nurture them with the help of the Spirit. And so what are you sowing and what are you growing in your life? By listing out the the characteristics of wisdoms, James is saying to us, you cannot grow what you do not sow. What are you growing in your life? Are you taking active steps to plant and to nurture and to harvest purity in your life? Wisdom, he says, that comes from above is first of all pure. There are many things that can actively choke out purity in your life. The things that you watch on TV, the things that you read or expose yourself to online. And so what steps do you have in place in your life that would actually help you take active steps to practice and sow and cultivate and reap purity in your life? Purity is an easy thing to get choked out in your life unless you actively nurture and allow it to grow. And so you might need to take some action in your life this week to try and make sure that you are stepping towards and practicing purity. You might need to install some software on your phone or on your computer. You can call me or email me and I've got some recommendations for you. You might need to edit your library of some of the books or some of the DVDs uh, that you have. They're not gonna help purity grow in your life. They may not be inherently uh, unsavory or, or something that you think, well, that's, that's kind of on the borderline, but what is it growing and what's it opening the door to in your heart? You may want to join with others who are going to actively seek and desire purity in their lives. We have four quarters groups here uh, where you can be accountable to a group of others who are seeking that in their own lives and studying scripture and checking in with each other, saying, how's it going with you? What's going on in your life? And so James says, if you're wise, you're going to be taking steps toward purity. You're not just going to talk about it. You're going to actually do something about it. Another thing he says is, are you resolving conflicts and seeking peace? Because people who are wise are going to seek peace. If there are unresolved conflicts or issues, people who seek peace initiate. They move towards the person that they're in conflict with and they actively invite dialogue, and they work together to solve the problem. They don't sit around in a corner and sulk. People who are wise pursue peace, James says. They work hard at resolving conflicts. And uh, that's related to the next thing, he says, that's growing in the lives of those who are wise. James says, are you considerate of the opinions of others? Are you willing to yield to others? says verse 17. Now, sometimes people read willing to yield to others and they say, no way, I'm not gonna be a doormat. I'm not just gonna let anybody's opinion kind of hold the day and I'll say, oh, whatever you, kind of princess bride, as you wish, whatever, that's okay with me. And sometimes that gives uh, some some Christians thinking, well, should I just be a doormat? Should I be a pushover with no backbone? Well, that's not what James is suggesting here at all. He doesn't say yield to others. He says, are you willing to yield to others? In other words, when you get into a discussion with somebody, are you willing to consider that you might be in the wrong and that the other party might have something to offer to the discussion? There might be another way of doing things or seeing things or... Are you so entrenched in your own perspective 
that you actually don't even want to consider what's being spoken to you. James says, people who are wise listen carefully and consider others' perspectives. Doesn't mean that they just agree with it all, carte blanche, but it does mean that people who are wise allow others to express their opinions instead of just shutting them down or disregarding them as a person before they've had a chance to speak. So let me give you a, a concrete example or a practical example of this. So next Sunday night, we're gonna gather as a church for a family meeting. And so you may have read that in the info session. You may have thought, I don't know, what's that all about? Well, our elders and leaders are actively asking you as people who are engaged here at Jericho Ridge for input into the areas of health and areas of growth for us here at Jericho Ridge. So we're gonna sketch out some categories of concern that were brought up at the info session on September 28th by individuals. We're gonna share as a board a little bit of the journey that we've been on and wrestling with some of these things, some areas that we agree with, some where we may differ. And we're gonna be transparent and let you know where we feel like maybe we've not done as good of a job on listening or letting you into what we were learning and processing together as a team. And once we've shared this, we're gonna open it up for questions and talk together about that. And the reason that we're gonna do this is because our posture as an elders team is that we want to do the best job that we can leading the community that God has entrusted us to here. And so if there are ways that we can do a better job of that around Jericho Ridge, we wanna hear it. So the goal is to really talk and elevate the conversation together and consider the opinions of everybody that's a vested individual here in the life of Jericho Ridge. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the ministry plans we've been working on. And we want uh, to say, as a board, we're not unaware of some of the things that we need to work on, but we wanna put forward some plans together uh, that we're gonna bring forward for affirmation at Vision Night on November 16th to address these. And we wanna have your input before we put them out there on November the 16th to make them the best that they can be. And so what we're demonstrating, or hopefully demonstrating, is that as a board, we want to listen and engage in the opinions of others that are shaping uh, here in this community. As opposed to kind of fabricating it all and then saying, okay, this is what we're all going to do. You all need to get excited about this. So we hope that you would, uh, a lot of you would get babysitters and join us next Sunday evening. You may not agree with everything that everybody shares there, but are you willing to be considerate to the opinions of others. And so that's a concrete example in the life of Jericho in a way in which we're gonna go about listening and considering each other's opinions. So there's two other things that James says here that are evidences of wisdom taking root and growing in the life and hearts of people who are wise. One is that they're gentle and sincere in speech. James goes over and over and over again in his short book, out of his way to demonstrate that humility is inextricably linked with wisdom. You cannot say that you are wise and not exercise humility. If you are living wisely, you're living humbly and vice versely, and it will come out in the way that you speak. You will speak with gentleness and sincerity. You'll not work to coerce people of your opinion or pretend to be someone or something that you're not. 
And so, again, James is saying, is your speech gentle and sincere because you should be able to see wisdom on display in the way that you speak? Think about what you've said, sum total, since you got up this morning. Would you characterize those words as gentle and sincere? Or would there be other ways that you might characterize those things? One of the last things that James invites us to hunt around for in our lives and see if we can find it is to say, is there room in your heart for mercy? Because James doesn't let us off the hook again saying, oh yes, I'm, I'm wonderful, I'm a merciful person. I mean, I just have a heart filled with compassion for people who are poor. Like the video I saw in Guatemala, I mean, my heart just goes out to them. James says, you can only say if you're full of mercy if you actually do something about it. You have to be filled with mercy and then that has to reflect itself in good deeds. You can claim you're merciful and compassionate all you want, but it's the way that you live, not how you talk, that really counts. So are you doing anything that is merciful? And that's the one thing that I love about so many people here in the life of Jericho Ridge. There are people every day who are making room in their lives for mercy. There's people who are serving food to hungry kids at breakfast clubs in schools. There's people who are inviting lonely neighbors into their homes for meals and working to meet some of their practical needs. There's people who are using the arts and the gifts God's given them to engage kids who are in trouble. There are people who are using their counseling gifts to help empathy take root in the lives of families in conflict. Right now as we speak, as Curtis mentioned, there's a crew from Jericho Ridge uh, down in Guatemala with Ralph Terpsa distributing wheelchairs as a tangible expression of mercy. And this is a group of guys that meets on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. called the Muffin Men. And Joel was quick to remind me that the muffin men has nothing to do with their midsections. It has everything to do with what's on the menu on Wednesday mornings. They get together at six for muffins. And they've been doing this since Jericho started for a decade now. And Ralph and Joel began to talk to the muffin men and said, you know, we talk, we do a lot of studying of the Bible and touching base here, but what are we actually doing? that's concrete, that's actually making a real difference in the lives of others. And so they began to challenge each other and talk about, well, why don't we just stop talking about compassion and get up and why don't we go and do something about it? Why don't we actually not just say we have room in our heart for mercy, why don't we put it in our calendar and why don't we put it, our money where our mouth is and, and put ourselves out there and make room for mercy, mercy in our budgets? And so just like the other characteristics of true wisdom, mercy needs to evidence itself in good deeds. If it doesn't, it's not real wisdom. We're gonna move into a time of responding to God in worship and song, and as we do that, I wanna ask you to consider the question, what's growing in your life? What's taking root? I, I don't know where you're at today. You might be a person who says, you know, my heart is hard, uh, I would describe myself as far from God. And maybe for you today, that soil in your life is inhospitable. And today, maybe God is gonna break through in some small or some significant way into your heart. And something's gonna get planted. And it might be inexplicable for you. You say, I don't know what's going on in my life. But God is beginning to grow something in your life. I want you to come and talk to me about that before you leave today. Let's set up a time we can 
talk together over coffee and see what God might be doing in your life. Be open to the work of his Holy Spirit in drawing him to, your, to himself. You might be at a very kind of seedling stage in some of these areas. You look at that list and you say, whew, I got a long ways to go in a lot of those things. I feel like I just planted some of those and then it just got uprooted again and then I planted it again and it got uprooted again. And that's the one thing that James continues to bring us back to is saying that this is the work of God by his Holy Spirit. And so it's not up to us to just kind of decide, I'm going to work harder at not being jealous of other people. Invite God's Holy Spirit into that process with you. Begin to root out jealousy or bitterness or selfish ambition. Replant peace, replant gentleness and humility. And I just want to encourage you, if you're at that seedling stage where something's just beginning to grow and it feels kind of tentative, keep it up. Invite others into that process with you. Find people who can help and support you in that journey and pray with you. You might have let something grow, but now maybe in your life you feel like it's slipping. Maybe the fruit of God's spirit has been resident in your life at one time, gentleness, and it just feels like I'm not as gentle as I used to be. Where do you hear God asking you this morning to do something about that and to take some steps of intentional weeding or intentional feeding in your life. Because no matter what's growing in your life, that's gonna be God's work and it's gonna be his Holy Spirit who ultimately receives honor and glory for that. Because it's his wisdom, true wisdom, James says, comes from above, from a God who desires to grow these things in your life and mine. And the question is, are we willing not just to talk about it, but to actually live our lives in a way this week that demonstrates it. Let's pray together as the team comes and leads us in song. Father God, I want to thank you that uh, the wisdom that comes from above is something that we don't have to manufacture. It's something of a gift that you give to us, God, by your Holy Spirit, And so I'm grateful for that because looking into my own heart, I know I couldn't manufacture these characteristics, God. And so yet again this morning as an individual, I throw myself down before you and ask for your mercy and grace to come into my own heart and my own life and to continue to shape me into the person that you want me to be. I pray that for each person here. I pray that for us as a community that you would grow and shape us into the community that you want us to be and that we would be characterized by godly wisdom in the way in which we carry ourselves in this world. Father, we know that the wisdom that comes from you is uh, not only pure and gentle and all of those things, but it also is counterintuitive in some ways The wisdom of God, you remind us, is wiser than, the foolishness, rather, of God is wiser than the wisest things we could come up with. And so, Father, as we uh, now in this time respond to you and invite you to speak by your spirit to each of our hearts, we pray that you would grow wisdom in each of our lives. Grow those places of our character that you desire to grow, uh, where there is 
challenges that we're facing, Father, we pray that you would gift us with the wisdom to invite other people around us into that process. And Jesus, we pray that in all of this, we would evidence that we are people who rely deeply on your wisdom and not on our own understanding. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We say amen. Dustin, 